Good morning. I'm Mary Beth. I get to um, read scripture for us this morning. Out of Luke chapter 18, the first 14 verses. So Luke 18, 1 through 14. And he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. He said, in a certain city, there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused, but afterward he said to himself, though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she won't beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week, I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. God's word. Good morning, everyone. My name is Joe. That's my bride, Mary Beth. That red scripture for me. Now you know I'm just such a happy guy. <laughs> I'm not kidding. <laughs> Uh, those of you welcoming online, uh, welcome online that are uh, coming to us virtually, thank you for being part of it. Thank you guys for being here today. I'm going to get right into the text. We're in Luke chapter 18. I want to kind of do some things a little bit differently in that I'm going to give you my outline and the application first, and then we're going to get into the scriptures actually verse by verse and go a little bit uh, that way. So um, hold on, here we go, all right? Um, <clears throat> so the, the, the title comes directly from the text. It says, always pray and don't lose heart. Always pray and don't lose heart. So I want to talk first about what God is looking for. What is God looking for on earth? What is it? And, and the text clearly says it. And I want to just boil it down to two different things. The first thing is that God is looking for a faith in him that perseveres. He is looking for a faith in him that perseveres. Does that make sense to anybody? 
I mean, he's not looking uh, for us just to kind of every once in a while, you know, come and worship him. And then, you know, we kind of just fall back into our old patterns of whatever that is, discouragement or hyper whatever. Uh, he wants us just to have a steady faith relationship with, that perseveres. Um, is perseverance necessarily in a world like we live in? The answer to this statement is yes. Okay? So that's the first thing that the text clearly says. When God is looking on the earth, he is looking for a faith in him that perseveres. It just doesn't give up. The second thing that he's looking for in these parables is simply humility that keeps you and me grounded. He's looking for a faith that perseveres, and he's looking for a humility that keeps us grounded. I don't know a time uh, that is, uh, there's been other times worse than this, but this is a time in human history that we need to have a stability about us in our inner person. Would you agree? I mean, we can be driven and tossed by all sorts of things so easily right now, and, and some of us are. Some of us are feeling like that boat without uh, any rudder. No, we, we feel like we are just subject to whatever's going to happen, and uh, what can we do? So we kind of live in a perpetual despondency rather than in a faith in him that perseveres. And so clearly in this text, um, the Lord says, I want you to develop in me a faith that withstands whatever comes your way, right? Because things do come our way. Let's face it, right? In this world, you are going to have trouble. That is one of those promises of God that we can all say amen to. God's word must be true because that's true, right? Uh, but what does it take to develop a faith that perseveres? What does it take to develop a life uh, that is, has this humility that keeps us grounded? What is it that it takes? So let's get even more practical. The, the, the parables, the two parables are so clear. This is what Jesus Christ is after. So if you're ever wondering, what is God's will it, uh, for your life? You ever ask that question? Well, you can start in a passage like this. He wants me to have a faith in him that perseveres. Okay, that's God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And he wants us to have a humility that keeps us grounded. So if you're ever wondering what God's will is for you, you can go right, you can start there. Okay, you'll never be sorry that you started there and returned there on an ongoing basis. But what does it take? If the apostle Peter were, if we were able to ask him the question, what does it take? How did you hang in there, even to the point where you let those people crucify you upside down because of your faith that persevered? And how did you make it to the end? How did you do it? I believe that Peter might say something like he wrote the very last two things that we read from the Apostle Peter in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse, verse 19. These are his words. That he wants us to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And this, the verb here is a continual, it's a present tense. He said, this is something that you're going to continue. You need to have a life committed to growing in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. If you do not develop that habit, you will be driven into, you will not have a faith in him that perseveres. You'll have a faith that wanders so easily. Can anybody testify to your personal faith that kind of wanders every once in a while? We have no honest people in the room. We have everybody's a liar in the room today. Well, welcome to Recovery 101, right? <laughs> the first thing if you're going to experience recovery is to step out of your dadgum, what? Avoidance, right? 
Um, I am a sinner who needs Jesus Christ every moment of every day. I struggle every day. But God is offering me an opportunity to develop a faith in him that perseveres through no matter what comes Joe McConkie's way, no matter what comes uh, your way. And this is really what Christ is after in life. Well, how do you develop that? The first thing is a long-term commitment, a long-run <laughs> commitment to getting to know the grace of God and God himself. Okay, when you continue to grow in grace, if you were to continue to grow in grace only, what ends up happening is you become a kind of a Christian marshmallow. Anything goes, I'm going to flow, I'm going to ebb. It doesn't matter. Nobody can mess with me because I'm just full of grace. And, and everybody's like, who is that? Right? Full of grace doesn't make it. Nor does full of knowledge. The knowledge puffs up, up, it says in Scripture. You want to look at that passage? It's 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 8. Easy one to remember. <laughs> knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. God is not after your knowledge of him only. It has to be coupled with growing in his grace and growing in his knowledge. Does this make sense? I mean, it makes, it's like, okay, that's a great mantra for me in my life. I need to grow in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And that's just one of the key ways that a human being can practically get involved in developing a faith in God that perseveres. A commitment to growing. It doesn't just say like a commitment to intellectually being able to explain to the rest of the world about his grace, nor to intellectually be able to explain who God is. That, that's not what it is. I got to grow in it. I, I, have to take, it ha, I have to take a personal, real-time interest in growing in his grace and in growing in the knowledge of who he is. The second thing that, that, I don't know, at my stage, at my age, people think they're giving me a compliment when they come to me and they ask me the question, how do you do it? Right? And I know that they're, you know, they're, they're meaning well, you know, but I'm like, what do you mean? Well, you're so old is what I'm registering. <laughs> you know? And you're, and you're still like, in the ministry, you're all right, uh, how do you do it? I'm like, how old do you think I am? <laughs> you snotty-nosed little, you know, infant Christian, you know. Um, but I, this is, if that's a legitimate question, Pajo, Pastor Joe would say to you, you have to have a lifelong commitment to growing in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. And the second thing that you and I need is we need to live in, and that preposition is so important, live in the promises of God. Not, not think about living someplace else. Like Pastor Joe, if you want to know if it matters to anyone at all, if it, if, if it is significant, the way that Pastor Joe has made it is not because of Pastor Joe, it's because of the promises of God that I have lived in and that I have an undying hunger to know both the grace and the knowledge of who Jesus Christ is. Those two things continue to buoy me up even in my aged age. Um, they're the things that make me wake up and, and want to get back in the game every day. Um, 
And so if you're wondering, if we're going to develop a faith in him that perseveres and a humility that keeps us grounded, we need to be people that have this lifelong commitment to knowing and to growing in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. And you and I need to live in the promises. I've listed you listed some go-to promises. You know, not to, you know, be careful here. One of the things that God has given me the ability to is to memorize. I'm a horrible reader, but I'm a great memorizer, right? Some of you are great readers and you can't memorize a daggum thing, you know? That's all right. Uh, but for me, that's just how I have grown. I, 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 I just memorize a lot of scripture and, and the promises have changed my life. And I've given you just a snapshot of seven of those areas in my life. And they might be areas in your life that you struggle with. Maybe it's in the area of life. My life promise is Psalm 23.3. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. That, that buoys me up. And by the way, I put life slash recovery. I don't know if you know this or not, but everybody in this room, everybody in God, on God's green earth for all generations is in recovery. I am not. I've never touched drugs. <laughs> right? Right? Is that how you sound when you get all fired up? Right? Right? We, we, we think, no, it's those people. You know, them dang Baptists, right? They're the ones that need all this work, right? Or maybe the Catholics. We know the pagans need it, right? Everybody you've ever talked to is in recovery. Otherwise, they're lying to themselves. Can I have an amen in the room? And if, if you want me to prove it, come on up. I'll have a conversation with you in front of all these people online. I will get to something. It's not because I have a prophetic um, ability. It's because I know the human soul because I have one. And apart from Jesus Christ, I am absolutely sick. Absolutely always in need of his redemption. No haughtiness. If you, if you sense a haughtiness about somebody, Jesus is not getting his way in their life. If you, if you run into somebody that thinks they got it all figured out, you are... You need to go back to step one in the 12-step program with them. Look, dudes, your life is powerless. <laughs> you have need of a, a power greater than yourself. All of us are all the time. Can, can I just have an amen to that? Amen. Otherwise, I will just say it over again until I get everybody in the room to agree with me because that's what preaching is about, getting everybody to agree with me, right? Uh. Yeah. <laughs> Joe, you need recovery at that point. Huh? <laughs> My point, we're all in recovery. And so then I have some other promises connected to other issues in my life. And, and there's, this is just, this is not an exhaustive, we just don't have time. At, the, at my great need for the promises of God every moment of every day. And so I've listed some things. You need your own list. You need your own go-to list that God is speaking to you. Some promises that God wants you to hold on to and live in in your life. If you're going to develop a life that is committed to knowing and growing in the grace and knowledge of God, and you're going to live a, a life of humility that stays grounded, you're going to need the promises of God. Um, in this world, you always get trouble. 
Anybody a people pleaser? I didn't put this one down. This is, and I can't believe I didn't remember it until I was reviewing my notes this morning. Anybody a people pleaser? You know some, right? Yeah, you know some? Okay, yeah, because we're not, right? People pleasers are perfect. Yeah, at least that's what they want everybody to think. Um, in, in Proverbs 29, 25, it says, fear of man always leads to a snare. But whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. It's a great passage for those of us who struggle with trying to manage our identity. I want to keep my brand sparkling clean in the eyes of other people. Proverbs 29 says, get off at that horse. And so I know some of us probably deal at some level with caring about what other, another person thinks. So a lot of promises. Um, I'm going to pray in a moment, and then we're going to actually go through the... We haven't even started yet. <laughs> Are you telling me that right now, Joe? Really? Um, also, want to have Eileen and Eden and Aaron, all three of those guys, stand up. These are missionaries in London that we love and have supported. I didn't say you could be seated. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they're thinking he has forgotten about us, and I'm like, oh, I can't wait, because then they're like, he remembered. Yeah. <laughs> um, if you want to spend some time hanging out with them after the service, you can even, I know y'all enter free food. Uh, you can get some free. Is that okay, yeah. Sammy? Sammy's buying lunch, is what I'm saying. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but go and hang out, uh, get to know them a little bit more, um, love on them, listen to them, that type of thing. Father, thank you for some time now. I know we've been in your word, but I, I pray that you would uh, help us now to, um, I don't know, just claim the promise that um, you are for us, you're not against us. Since you, you gave your one and only son, how will you not also with him freely give us everything that you need? Everything that we need is found in you, God. And so bless our time. I pray that your word would do its work in our life. In the name of Jesus, amen. amen. So I'm going to go through verses, just the first eight verses. I will not get to the last parable, but we've kind of at least opened up the application, the point in the application to that. So you're like, oh, only eight verses? Maybe we will have lunch before eight o'clock tonight. Okay, Luke chapter 18, verse one. And he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. So if you are ever have the opportunity to sit down with somebody and read scripture and God just kind of, kind of tease the ball up for you, like what does the Bible say? This is one of those texts. He says, I'm going to tell a parable, which are sometimes hard to understand, but this is what it's all about. I'm telling a parable so that they'll know that they ought to always pray and not give up and not lose heart. Okay, so that is what's going on here. And, and so I think one of the things that's beautiful about this particular verse is Every human being can relate to losing heart or to coming to that point where you're just flat out exhausted because of circumstances. Anybody? You've been there? You have done that? You're still living in that maybe in the midst at some level in some way? Right? And so the scripture once again just so relates to us on and on and on. Uh, and, and Jesus says, look, 
He is not denying the fact that there are going to be things that you're going to be tempted to lose your heart under. And I love that about Christ. He's not like saying, what's wrong with you? You know, that, that's, how it, that's how, if Jesus was in New York, that's how he would talk. What's wrong with you? You know, he doesn't do that to us. He says, look, man, life's hard. And you're apt to really just run out, of, you know, get to the end of yourself really quick. You know, if it's not finances, it's relationships, or it's health, or it's you've lost a loved one, or, man, you got somebody in your life that you love like crazy, but they're making horrible decisions, and your heart just aches, right? This is life, and, and the Lord is like putting an, an exclamation point on this thing. Look, life is hard. And I love that about Jesus. I don't know any of you, uh, I don't know any human being that has not gone or isn't going into a really difficult season. <clears throat> Am I right? Anybody there right now? I don't know if I can let you know that because, you know, we're at church and I'm supposed to be all dressed up and playing churchianity right now, Joe. Don't you know? Well, don't, don't just sit in your messed upness. Say, Lord God, help me to always pray and not, not give up. This is what Jesus is inviting you to do in this text. <clears throat> the, the word uh, that we're looking at, this, this whole idea of loss of heart, literally means to be utterly spiritless or to be wearied out or to be exhausted. That's what the word means. Have you ever been exhausted because you just cannot hope anymore? You cannot believe anymore? You cannot, you just, you're out of all of the energy that you ever had, right? Or maybe you're living with somebody that's really going through a really tough time and, and it's a loved one and man, you're just right there with them. It's like, oh man, I'd do anything, right? But, but the reality is life is just sucking life out of that person that you love and care about, Right? I love that Jesus knows that. The next verse says, verse 2 says, he said, in a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. I think the reader is supposed to really understand that the character of this judge is hor horrible, horrific at, at, two, at two points. First of all, he doesn't fear God. And my Bible says in Proverbs chapter 10, verse 9, that the beginning of knowledge is the fear of God. This guy has no knowledge. This is not a good judge. And, and the reader is supposed to pick that up, I think. This is, this is somebody that has no wisdom, no insight, because they have no fear of God. And the beginning of wisdom, the beginning of knowledge is always the fear of God. And also we see that he has no respect for human beings. He has no love for human beings. And the greatest commandment of all is to love the Lord your God and love others as you love yourself. This is a horrific, a horrific human being. We are supposed to see this particular character. We don't know his name. We don't know his address. We don't know his city. But we know his character. And it's clear in the text. This is a bad character. Has no respect for human beings. No fear for God. We're supposed to get that. We're supposed to feel that. Verse th uh, third verse, and there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, give me justice against my adversary. The widow was a nobody to this judge. And in the first century, women had no rights. They did not have an entrance into the court system without a man standing in their place. 
This woman had no uncle, no son, no brother, and her, or her husband is already dead. She's a widow. And now she has an adversary. She's probably a guy who owes her a lot of money or owes her money. And she has no recourse, so she's knocking on the door of this unjust judge every day, advocating for herself. I want us to recognize that though the judge has no heart for a widow, God is the exact opposite. Widows have a special place in the heart of the God that we worship. Let me read just two passages. One is Psalm 68. It says this, Sing to God, sing praise to his name. Extol him who rides on the clouds. His name is the Lord. And rejoice before him because he's for everybody that has their life put together. No! He's a father to the fatherless. A defender of widows. God is your advocate. The heart of God is for widows. The heart of God is for people that, that are fatherless. Some of us can re relate personally to that. We've lost a loved one or, or we've had a, a dad. Maybe it just wasn't, maybe he was there, but he's bad dad. Or maybe God took dad early. And we, we, right? This is, a, this is an issue in the world still today. And even though to the judge and even to maybe a court system or to a nation, maybe they don't care, but we have a God who cares deeply for the widow. And we're, the reader of Luke chapter 18 is supposed to, this is one of the things we need to highlight. In contrast, widows could be easily forgotten. They have no recourse anyway. They can't get to me. They have no leverage. I don't like them anyway. God is the opposite of that. Aren't you glad? Don't you want to worship a God like that? Who defends those who cannot defend themselves? Deuteronomy 10 says this, For the Lord your God is a God of gods, Lord of lords, a great God, mighty and awesome, who shows no partiality and accepts no bribes. He defends the cause of the fatherless and the widow. That's powerful, isn't it? and loves the alien, giving him food and clothing. This is the heart of our God. And you, you might not be an alien, you not be, might not be fatherless, you might not be a widow, but the character of God is he cares so deeply for you right where you're at. All of us, everybody in the human, on the planet has a God that wants to defend them, wants to shelter them, wants to be the refuge of strength, wants to be the, the one that gives them a way forward. God is a stream of living water. He's the bread of life. He's what the human soul needs and longs for. And he is so gracious. And he says, just come to me. All who are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. Anybody need rest when your life is falling apart? Yes. God says, come on. I will give you rest. And the only two things that Jesus Christ ever said about his character are found in that Matthew um, 11 passage. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. That's, that's our character, weary and heavy laden. We're exhausted, we're spiritless, we're hopeless at some points. 
But the character of God, that, that, that the character of Jesus that Jesus highlights are really interesting and telling about the character of God. For I am humble and gentle in spirit. This is the only thing Jesus ever highlighted about his character in all of Scripture. He doesn't highlight his omniscience, though he is. He doesn't highlight his omnipresence, though he is. He doesn't, he doesn't exercise the, the potency that he has. He's, he's omnipotent. He has all power, all knowledge, all presence. He chooses, though, to gear that back so that he can come and help you and me. He cares about you. And he brings all that power to you, all that presence to you, all that hope and all that promise to you. All you have to do is say, here I am. Anybody, Joe? I'm a sinner. I got a sexual ethic that's at cross angles with what I know the Bible says. Me? Absolutely! Anybody hear that? Would you like me to say it again? It does not matter who you are, where you come from, what color you are, what gender you think you are or you're not. That does not that does not bother the power of the gospel coming to your life, you guys, or your friend or your neighbor. And you don't have to wig out about it. You just have to let God love you and love through you to people around you with gentleness and with humility. People don't need to know how dang sinful they are. Can I have an amen? amen. We all are really good at beating up ourselves all day long already. What we need is somebody that will come and look us in the eye and we see the love of God. We see the humility of God. We see the gentleness of God. So I just care about you. And I want to care about you with the care that God has given me so that I can care like he would care for you. And I just want to be Jesus, you know, with a little skin here. I, I'm not him. Right? This makes the world go around and go forward, you guys. This other pride, haughtiness does not work. And Christians ought to be leading the way and modeling this. Am I right? Are you with me? Yes. Are you with Jesus more, most importantly? Yes. This is what, what the world needs. Hmm. I got fired up. Verse 4, for a while he refused, this is the unjust judge, but afterward he said to himself, oh my goodness, though I neither fear God nor respect men, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, you're suppo the reader is supposed to compare and contrast with God. You never bother God. You're never a bother to him. As squeaky and as creaky and some other eeky, that you won't think you are before God, it does not matter to him. He says, come on. I just want to be with you. Yeah, because this widow keeps bothering me, never bother God. So this is the reader supposed to see this. We're supposed to compare and contrast between the unjust judge, right? And God and his character. You never bother God. I will give her justice already so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. God says, come on, as often, as much as you want, right? 
Yeah, but isn't he busy? <laughs> oh my goodness. He spoke and all the, all the stars went into their place. He spoke it. Do you think he might have enough energy for me and you at any moment? <laughs> oh, God, help our knowledge of you grow. Help our, help our, help our understanding of your grace grow. We need the grace of God and the knowledge of God more than we need breath itself. May the promises of God more than we need anything else. Mm. You're never going to wear, <laughs> you're never going to wear God down with your coming. Okay, it won't happen. Keep on coming to him. Here I am again. How many times have you prayed that? <laughs> same old Joe, same old story. I'm sure you're sick of me, God, and I don't ever sense from God I'm sick of you, Joe. I experience from him the love of a father waiting on the front porch for me until I come back to him. And then he's going to embrace me. He's going to throw a big old party because I'm back. He's not going to be reluctant this is, that's the unjust judge. So Jesus like puts on a megaphone here for a moment in verse six and says, and the Lord said, hear what the unjust judge says. This is a command actually in scripture. Listen to it. Listen up. Hear him. I want you to hear him because there's some great messages and lessons in that. And will not, verse 7, and will not God give justice to his chosen? That's a key word. We're going to work on that for a minute. Who cry to him day and night. Will he delay long over them? And the answer is, he will not. He's, he's on the way. Always on the way. You better believe he's on the way. Especially for his chosen one. Did you know that if you have faith in Jesus Christ, you did not choose to have your faith in Christ? You didn't choose God like you have some control over him. He chose you. <laughs> and so, so that no one boasts, that's the point. Because every human being at every moment of every day needs to be humble before this gracious God who has every right to push the eject button and start the whole thing over. But he chooses not to. It's proof of his presence. It's proof of his grace. It's proof of his patience and his incredible love that is beyond human understanding according to the prayer in Ephesians 3. So John 15 says this, for instance, I no longer, will, uh, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you... Wow. Do you know that you're a friend of God through your faith in Christ? I am friends with the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I let you in on all my business, Jesus says. There's not a business thing that I'm going on that, I, that I'm not willing to talk to you about. You, you might not like what I'm going to do, but you can trust me. Called you friends. 
for everything that I learned from my Father, I've made known to you. Okay, okay. Jesus came to explain the Father. Peter, the last thing that Peter says is that you may grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you want to develop a faith in God that perseveres through all of the, the troubles that life will bring you, you have an ongoing commitment to understand more and more the grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Because he came to make the Father known. Because the more that you know the Father, the more you understand there is nothing that can come against him. His plan for your life will not be thwarted. He's on the way. He'll never give up on you. It's a miracle. That's what it is. That that's true. No way can that be true. Mm. The, the passage goes on. I probably should read about the chosen part in this verse. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Isn't that what you want? You want to really live for something that matters. And God's all about that in your life too. I've chosen you so that you can actually make an impact on eternity. And you don't need to get all dressed up and all of a sudden play Billy Graham. Just get all dressed up and play you in Christ. Can I have an Amen. Your personality, your experiences, you don't have to be nobody else. You get to be you. With Jesus on board, calling the calls, calling the audibles, because you're going to have trouble. Didn't see that coming. Oh, Lord, I'm so sorry. I deserve this. And the Lord stands in your defense as your advocate and says, not on my watch. He's okay, Father. He believes in my blood. <clears throat> I love the little story about President Kennedy. There was a day he was in the Oval Office meeting with someone and his, one of his little boys walked through the door and went and sat on his lap. <laughs> Who does that? A child? What does God call you? Anytime you want, go in and sit on his lap. Anytime you want. Anytime you want. If it's anytime you need, you, you just stay there. Because <laughs> we need him constantly. At least, at least this anemic pastor does. Every moment, every hour, I need you, Lord. So we're, the, the reader is to contrast the difference between this judge and God. God is our strength, you guys. He is our refuge. I don't know what your favorite song is right now, praise and worship song, but my favorite one right now is Waymaker. So I thought we'd kind of get out of, you know, normal routine, and I'm just going to bell her out a song for you right now. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, yeah, thank you. I see, I see the smiles on everybody. Yeah. We're going to get some entertainment now. Yeah. Some comedy. Some comedic relief. Yeah. God loves you more th than I do in that point. Uh, I'm not doing that. Yeah. Just to prove the love of God is more than mine. Verse 8 says, I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find a faith that perseveres? That becomes the question. 
And so this, come, this text comes on the heels of Jesus just talking about his return. And that there's a day of vengeance coming where every one of your tears, every one of the unjust things that have happened to you or any of, of, the, or any of the injustices that you've done, they're all going to be put right. And that's both scary and relieving, isn't it? There's a day of the Lord, there's a day of vengeance. And that's why it's so important if, if you know of something that, you, that the Lord has um, that isn't his will for your life and you confess it this morning and we're gonna, about ready to get into some communion. It's a great time just to do some conversation with the Lord about maybe something that you've just been holding on to in your own experience and, you, and, and you're ready just to say, oh Lord, I praise you that you're gentle and you're humble in heart and that you you have rest for me. You have forgiveness of my sin. I no longer have to take this burden. You want me to yoke with you and learn uh, from you. Do that during communion here. That's that's where we're moving to. So if if the worship band would come on up and um, I want the the people that are holding the communion trays just to hold off just for a moment and I'll invite you up in, in a bit. There's a passage of scripture I'm going to have that I want you to, it, it will be up here during communion too. It's, it's one of my go-to promises in all of scripture. It's, I think, one of the most powerful passages in scripture. It's in Romans chapter 8, verse 32, and it says this, He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things. Say what? I mean, if you really think about this passage literally, is that really what the inspired author means for us to know and understand and live in? Yeah. What do you need this morning? God is not reluctant with you. He says, call on me and I'll tell you great and mighty things that you don't know. He's inviting you right into the center of his heart. Just come to me. So he who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all. Our whole life is pivotal upon the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. It's all pivotal on the cross. If the cross did not happen, you guys, we have no hope and we have no life. But Jesus, uh, by the way, just a quiz right now, theological quiz. I I love it when I'm smarter than my audience, so quiz. Who crucified Jesus? Was it Pilate? Was it the Roman soldiers? Was it the Jews? No, it was the Father. God the Father crucified his son. Look at scripture. This blows me away. The Father, read it in Isaiah 53. Of his own accord, Jesus gave himself up. It wasn't because of human will that he gave his life. The will of God was to build a bridge to you and to me. And that's what we celebrate in communion, remembering his death, right? That's what we do. Yeah, and so so it's kind of a, a tension of emotions in communion to me. Like, I'm so sorry, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. All at the same time, right? So in communion, let's just celebrate his broken body for us. 
No one lives by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And Jesus is the bread of life. And there's life in him. And so when you take and eat that bread, you're, you're doing that in remembrance of him, that he broke his body for me. He sacrificed himself for me. Humans didn't do that to him. He did it on his own, by his own will. That's, that's meaningful to me. And then that blood, that represents the, fa the fact that your past and your present, all of your sins are covered on the cross and by his blood. The sin has been spent. It's washing, it continues to wash your life in Christ. Really, Joe? It's not what Joe's word says, it's what God's word says. He wants to cleanse you. He wants to fill you with security, not fear. So let him have his way, right? I mean, Romans 8, 32, if, if you kind of get wandering here in your communion experience, pick up at that promise again. Let it sink in. So Jesus, the night that he was arrested, by his own will, by the way, come on forward, y'all, I'm sorry. Just start passing out those cups. Hey, we're, we're back to kind of how we used to do communion a while back. So you'll get two cups in there. The bottom cup has the bread. The top cup has the uh, juice. So take both of those cups. And so... Okay, whatever you get in the tray... You'll figure it out. I was just told there might be some different ones in there. So this bread, this little piece of bread, it, it's so simple, right? But it reminds us of the incredible sacrifice of Jesus Christ for you and for me and of his own volition. And this cup, man, it's such a simple thing. But the meaning and the power behind the blood of Christ, I mean, who, who can compare to that power and that love and that hope uh, that is for you? And so when you get this, let's take and let's eat in remembrance of Jesus Christ. Jesus. On one hand, we feel so unworthy. On the other hand, we just are, our, our hearts are leaping with thanksgiving and praise because of what you've done for us and what you've done for the human race. Thank you for the hope that we have because you sacrificed yourself for our sin. We thank you for this cup, Lord, and it represents the forgiveness of our sins. And your blood shed for us so thank you, Jesus. Let's take a drink together in remembrance of him. It's really a miracle, isn't it? Would you agree that God loves us like this? 
We're going to sing about that. Let's stand together. We're going to sing a, a song. Just declare it to the Lord. Enjoy it. Let him speak to you. Let him have his way.